You are listening to Rabbi Arya Wolby of Torch in Houston, Texas. This is the Parsha Review Podcast. All right, welcome back, everybody, to the Parsha Review. This week's Parsha is Parsha's Mitzora. Mitzora is the fifth portion in the book of Vayikra, Leviticus, and the 28th portion since the beginning of the Torah. There are 90 verses in this week's Parsha, 1,274 words, and 4,697 letters. There are 11 mitzvahs in this week's Parsha, all of them performative mitzvahs, no prohibitions. And the Parsha continues the theme of the previous Parsha, Parsha's Tazria, and the person with Tsaras we know is called a Mitzora, and therefore this week's Parsha is called Parsha's Mitzora. The actual person is called a Mitzora. This Mitzora is quarantined and must leave the camp or city, as we mentioned previously, and wait until the Tsaras goes away. When the Kohen visits the Mitzora outside of the camp and sees that he no longer has Tsaras, he brings a special korban, a special offering with two healthy kosher identical birds, cedar sticks about two feet long, crimson wool weighing a shekel, and a bundle of herb hyssop about four inches long, and a brand new earthenware bowl and spring water. And you're wondering what in the world is this concoction that is put together here for this offering. We'll see. Then the Mitzora washes his clothes, he shaves his hair, and immerses in a mikvah. The Kohen must pronounce the Mitzora as pure, and then he may return to the camp. The carbon of a poor, the offering of a poor Mitzora, may substitute lesser offerings for, a, for the more expensive animals. A house can also become infected with Tsaras. The laws dealing with home blemishes that appear are detailed in this week's Parsha. And before the Kohen diagnosis, that a house has tsaras, all the household possessions are removed so that they don't become ritually impure as well. If the Kohen detects tsaras in the walls, the house is locked up and is left alone for seven days. If the tsaras disappears, great, the house is fine. What would it usually indicate? That the person repented. Then the house is fine. If the tsaras remains or if the tsaras spreads further, the afflicted area of the house is removed by smashing and rebuilding that section of the house, and the house is locked up for another seven days. If, however, after the second week, the coin sees that Tsaras has spread, he declares the house tame, and it must be raised. Garments can also be afflicted with Tsaras. The treatment is similar to that of a house. The Torah details other types of impurities from bodily secretions, like male discharges, menstruation, and other female discharges that all render a person spiritually impure. These impurities thereby prevent a person's contact with holy items. The Torah defines how one regains a state of ritual purity, and the basic laws of Nida family purity are learned as well in this week's portion. And now, my friends, we begin the important lessons segment for this week's Parsha. So first is that the body, the clothes, and the house are all things that can lead a person to forgetting their purpose in this world. A person with their good looks may feel like, look at me, look at me, 
I, I've heard someone once say, like, how did God put so much beauty into one person? It, talking about themselves looking at a mirror. A, a person can get carried away by their own good looks. They can see, look, so many people are attracted to me. So many people want to be with me. So many people, whatever it may be, a person can get very, very carried away with their own physical body. That's the first area that a person is afflicted. The next is clothes, fashion. People are running all day after fashion. People are looking, they're going shopping, they're going here, they're going there, buying more clothes. Clothes is a very important part of our lives, but it also can be a point of distance. It could be a point of separation, a point of a delicate area in a person's life where it can carry us away from our purpose in this world. And the last is our houses. People are building houses, buying houses, furnishing their houses. People think that they're permanent. And that can also distance a person from their purpose. And that's why these are the areas of affliction. These are the areas where a person could be getting this disease to remind them what is the real purpose of this world. Don't get carried away. Now, we mentioned that there was an offering that was brought. So I found several sources to why specifically these things were brought as part of the offering. So we mentioned that the birds, well, birds are always chirping. They're always chirping. Guess what happens to someone who always chirps, someone who's always talking? They say Lashon Hara. And therefore, the lesson is it teaches us to talk a bit less, to be more careful when we're talking. There are specifically two birds because we don't talk to ourselves. We talk when there are other people. We have to be extra careful that when we talk with our friends, we talk with our confidants, our close relatives, not to talk negatively about others. Then we have cedar tree. We said we had these little cedar twigs. Cedar trees are very tall. This teaches us that arrogance is what caused this. The very tall tree represents the person who feels very haughty. The crimson wool was red like a worm. And it was also, it's called Shni Tolat. Tolat is a worm. It would look like a worm, teaching us to be lowly like a worm. A worm is busy in the ground. It's lowly. We also see soon we're going to read the portion of Bamidbar. I'm sure we're going to mention this then. And it's always read the portion of Bamidbar, which is the first portion in the book of Numbers. It's always read the Shabbos before Shavuot. Always the Shabbos before Shavuos. Why? To remind the person, the Midrash tells us, to always be humble. The Midbar means the desert. The desert isn't very haughty. Desert is usually lowly. People trample, people step on it. Guess what? You want to grow in Torah? You have to be humble. It's one of the prerequisites to attaining Torah. The herb hyssop was low grass, teaching us to be lowly like the grass. The earthenware vessel that was required, earthenware vessels are cheap and they break easily, teaching us to be more sensitive and feel less self-important. We didn't use fancy gold and silver glass. We used earthenware. Simple things. Take it easy. 
And the last is the spring water, which was called Mayim Chaim, living water. Why? Because water, this water needed to come from a source, from a flowing stream, which is always running, even when it doesn't rain. It teaches us to be alive. An impure person is like a dead person with the limitations that they're presented. They have to move out of their home. They have to move out of the camp. People have to excommunicate them for a little while. You want to be living. Therefore, we include in this offering the living water, Mayim Chaim, to remind us that if we want to be among the living, we need to refresh ourselves and start over again and do what is what keeps us alive. So there's a, an entire process here of teaching a person good character traits. person was arrogant. Starting, they receive the, right? So they were arrogant. Then they get this punishment. And hopefully they leave humble. They live with, leave with humility. The idea here is the Torah doesn't want us to be sad. The Torah doesn't want us to be living in a constant state of fear, of retribution, of punishment. That's not the goal of the Torah. The goal of the Torah is for us to be pure. The goal of the Torah is for us to be holy. And there's a process in how we get there. There's a process. And what we need to do is recognize that the Torah always wants us to come back again. That's why it says the world was created with the letter Hey. Letter Hey. Why? Because the letter Hey has an opening where if you fall down, you can always come back. You fall down, you can always come back. That is the theme of Judaism. Yeah, it's true. You made some mistakes. You may have spoken inappropriately. There's a punishment. There's a price to pay. But you know what? More than anything, God wants you pure. God wants you back. And that's the lesson here. It's not about the punishment. It's about the return. So there is also an important concept that needs to be discussed here of being committed to Hashem. When someone is committed to the Almighty, when someone is committed to the ordinances, the teachings that God instructs in his Torah, then God gives us the prescription. He tells us exactly what needs to happen. God prescribes it for us in this manual, the owner's manual, and we just look at it. Read the words of this week's Parsha, and you'll see the relationship that we can build with the Almighty. The Jewish people, in our history, we do see a story of someone getting tzaras. Who was that? Anybody remember? Miriam, very good. Miriam got this disease. And she was rewarded in that the Jewish people waited for seven days. Everyone wants to, they're sitting there in the desert and they're waiting. Let's go, let's go, let's go. Uh uh, we're waiting for seven days. Seven days? This was a reward for Miriam because she waited for Moshe when Moshe was placed in the basket in the river. She waited, I say just say seven days for Moshe to ensure that he was secure and that he was in a safe place and that everything was taken care of. She waited. She waited for the leader of the Jewish people. The Jewish people waited for her. So we see that there's a constant reward that comes to those who do good. And there's a constant punishment for those who do not so good. So 
we have to understand that pain is a very potent communicator. It's a very powerful communicator. Affliction and pain aren't always a punishment, but they're always a message. And many times, our sages tell us, from the words in the Torah, it's very interesting, that the Jews were sometimes rewarded through this disease of tzaras. Why? Because the other nations, it says, by the way, that God will bring you into the land of Israel and God will give you tzaras. What do you mean? Why are you giving me tzaras if I'm a good guy? God will. Why? Because the Canaanites said, you know what? The Jews may conquer our land. Let's hide our gold and silver. And what did they do? They hid that gold and silver in the walls. God would give them tzaras, the Jewish people, when they came and took over the land of Canaan, the promised land. And they got this disease of leprosy on the wall. And they call the coin. The coin says, oh, 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 this is not good. They have to knock down the wall. They knock down the wall. What would they find? The gold and silver. So yes, sometimes the affliction, the pain is not a punishment. Sometimes it's a reward. But it is always a message. You know what? Sometimes we can catch a cold. Sometimes we can have some type of illness. It's not always a punishment, but it's always a message. And we have to internalize that idea that God is communicating with us. And sometimes God communicates with little subtle ways, and we don't pick up the message. God says, you know what? I'm going to have to wake you up with a more severe message. It's like if you tell your child, you know, sweetheart, don't run into the street. It could be dangerous. Okay, that's a nice way to say it. But what happens if the child gets closer to the street? You say, stop. What do you need? And if the child, God forbid, runs to the street? That could be very dangerous. So what do we do sometimes is a little bit something more severe that can result. A father once told me that he hit his child after his child ran into the street. He said, I'm not hitting you because you ran into the street now. I'm hitting you so that you remember in the future not to run in. Now, I'm not a big fan of hitting any children ever, but... I think it's, it's, it's something to think about. There should be some, something that the child learns from this experience not to do it again. God does that to us sometimes. He tells us subtly in a nice way. and We don't pick up the message. And God sometimes has to say it a little bit harsher. And sometimes God needs to give us a big potch for us to wake up and to learn a lesson. Hashem should never have to wake us up in any way from a slumber from a, a discord between us and the Almighty, but rather we should always be awakened. We should always be alert of our relationship with Hashem. Hashem should bless us all, that we should always be close to Him. We should always feel that closeness. We should never, ever be in a situation where we need a wake-up call. Have a wonderful, magnificent Shabbos.